You are now listening to Empty Out the Clip. All right, I got the num- I got the number one sports fan over here, and all time, <laughs> all time Blues and, and New Zealand Warriors fan, the host of the Canada Podcast on the Whispers Network. Stacey, how's it going, brother? Brother, thanks for having me on. Been a while on it before I've been on empty uh, out the clip, but uh, I'm always a big fan. Always listen to it. So good to be on again. Blues, cheers, mate. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, st- I'm still on that high from the, the Blues, <laughs> the Blues winning in the weekend, man, on on Friday, Easter Friday. Yeah. So. I would have worn my blues jersey, but too much. I'm not um, sure when I'm going to come down from that. Too height. much Easter eggs. It's a bit tight. So <laughs> I need to go back on the those challenges there, and, um, so I can fit my jersey again. But now, good to see you in your jersey, brother. Yeah, man. I just wanted to get you on the podcast, to, man, to just go one on one with me and talk about that Blues and Crusaders game, man. Because, bro, that was an awesome game, and the media loved it. I think the whole of the country loved that game. It's always a big thing when the when the Blues play the Crusaders, and because of the Blues winning the Trans Tasman last year, you know, it's been better for for rugby fans around the country because f- finally, the Blues are heading to that same level the Crusaders are at. It's been a long time coming, eighteen years since we last won down in Christchurch. So, for the boys to go down there and then get that win, like they said, eighteen years, I was shocked because man, was that that's long? That's long time ago. So was I. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realise it was that bad. <laughs> you know, I was like, 18 years, fuck. That's why the Blues fans always keep playing that footage. I guess it's because we've been watching that replay. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> the Carlos Spencer game, eh? Yeah. And finish off that try in the corner and then the kick, kick and then the, then the fingers to the crowd. I know with like a lot of the other New Zealand um, supporters and Crusader supporters and anyone who listens to the Kanrak, who listens to Roger, who's a regular, he's a Chief supporter, they say, hey, look, uh, you know, you run the Trans-Tasman, but doesn't really count, um, was an unfair competition, or the rest of it, you didn't get a proper crack, the other New Zealand teams, so the Blues sort of had a few question marks over them, so for them to go down to Christchurch against the Crusaders, who have probably been the best team for 25 years-ish, and get a win there, I think that gives some validity to how good the Blues are, because a lot of people still don't rate them um, as highly, just because of that Trans-Tasman win, they sort of rubbish that a little bit so I think it's good for the Blues to get a bit more um, sort of gravitas in their win as well and people think they're genuine contenders as well so good for them oh it was great for them it was a pretty good build up too because this is the first time this season that they have met when I was thinking about talking about the, the Blues and Crusaders game I, I thought about the stories that were brewing before the game because it was a big build up to the game right so so some of the things I put down was there was the return of RTS he came back from injury so he was starting from from the bench. There's obviously the Blues haven't won in Christchurch since 2004, which was, which was another another story. Uh, Luke Romano, uh, playing for the Blues now and facing his old team. So that was one. Because the All, All Blacks will be picked soon for the, the July test, there's always that story about who's going to be the f- starting first five. And with Mwanga and, um, and Barrett playing in this game, it was a good test between those um, two number 10s. The, the other story I put in, because I read it in the Herald, there was a story about Stephen Perifitsa being a replacement for Damon McKenzie, who's off in, um, in Japan. So, hmm. will he be a, a bolter for the All Blacks? I don't know, man. What do you think about any of these um, stories I just I just put out? Yeah, I, I agree with all of them, man. There's, there was so much narrative behind the game. I was really interested in that story 
the first five story really because there was a period where Bowden was the, he was the best player in the world and they moved him to fullback to accommodate Richie and Richie he's still still been a bit rocks and diamonds at all black level I thought he had his best year last year but you know there's still that thinking that Bodie he can do things that no one else can do and I thought it was a good dress rehearsal for both of them to see um, who would get the points I thought they had both had quite good moments but you know I thought if Bodie didn't play then I don't know if they would have won because he had a few touches and he was a bit more better so I thought that that was a big difference making a real close game and that game was it last week as well where he I think he was close to man of the match where he put some crossfield kicks in and set up a couple of tries and he was back to his, his best so he looks like he's had a few issues there a couple of calf injuries concussions he was over in Japan so we probably haven't seen him the best of him in this World Cup cycle and it feels like it's taking quite a while but he's getting back to where he is and that's also helping the Blues um, and their Premiership uh, title hopes as well so you know I've, I've brought this up on previous podcasts where the Blues um, when they had their outstanding periods uh, early on in Super Rugby they had that world-class first five in Carlos Spencer, and then he's gone, and we haven't had a world-class first five since, so Bodie's probably the guy who can be fill those shoes and be that guy who can, you know, regular All Black, uh, world-class first five, and we need that to propel us to the next level. So you look at the Crusaders, how good they've been. They've had Andrew Murdens to Dan Carter to Richie Moonga, and it's, um, it's no coincidence in my eyes that these first fives are needed. So I was really interested in that matchup, and I thought Bodie... I thought Bodie outplayed him, eh? So, you know, great for him and great for us as Blues fans as well. So, definitely need to lose some KGs to get some, um, take a foot back in my Blues jersey. But, um, yeah, what, what did you make of that, that first five battle? And what you saw in those two tens? Judging from this game, the, the Bowden Barrett versus Richie, like, I think it's uh, sort of like a draw. Or I think it's like, you're going to have to pick these guys according to who your opponent is. Because these guys are both different. I mean, they both have skills, different sort of skills. And I think with the, um, you know, with the World Cup coming up, obviously, next year, the All Blacks do need to play play multiple styles. I think they've been caught up before where they've had this one style of play, which has worked for them quite well. But if teams figure that out, they haven't got this other plan B that they can fall back on. But with having the two first fives who play two different styles, you can sort of alter, do, do their horses for courses, like you say, or alter mid-game if you need so. It uh, looks good from the All Black perspective, and just for a Blues fan, I'm just happy about that. But um, out of all the handling errors um, in that game, Richie had none. Bowden Barrett had three, three handling, handling errors, mm. and and he did have those two um, charge downs in the in the in the beginning. So Bowden Barrett had a bit of a slow start, and he sort of made up for it in the in the second half. Whereas I think um, with Richie, he, he was um, he he had no mistakes, but he did miss those two um, penalties that could have helped his team. Yeah, I, I thought also, like, in that game, we'll probably get to it a bit later, but when Scott Barrett, his, his brother, got red-carded, it looked like they sort of put the cue in the rack a little bit, and Bodie was kicking a lot downfield, kicking to Will Jordan and all the rest of it, trying to just play this field position type game. And that sort of gave the Crusaders a bit of impetus to get back in the game. Will Jordan is probably a guy you don't want to be kicking to. They're whole back three, actually, so that might be something they might want to look at as well, just for Bodie and his game management, because... That they were kicking the Crusaders, thought they could play the field position game, and it was giving the Crusaders a chance to counterattack, which actually gave them a chance to get back in the game. So, look at and that probably segues into what we'll probably talk about later on was the Blues' defense, because it was the defense that actually won the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we know in the past, like we've been Blues fans since the start, 
Um, Blues have lost games like that in the past where, you know, they've been good for 60 minutes and then they've sort of clocked off or whatever. They've had that mental fragility. So for them to get it done, this is sort of another example of them getting it done. And I think it goes back to, if you remember in that first game that they lost to the Hurricanes where they lost the game that they should have won. They sort of clocked off for five minutes or whatever, the last 10. And we talked about this in the counter-ruck with Roger, yeah. where... Last 10 minutes. Last 10 minutes, they clock off, and then the, the, the sort of Hurricanes are getting like 15, 20 points in that time. And you could see Leon McDonald was fuming. And that's sort of what we know about the Blues. They can be a bit sort of hot and cold, fading in and out of games. So for them to start winning these close ones, and this is they've won a few close ones as well now uh, since that. So I think it was, a, it was a tough loss, but it was a crucial lesson for them to learn about the importance of defending well and trying to stay in the game for the full 80 so you know it sucked at the time but I do think that that was a, a crucial part of what how they've got to where they've got to now and the game against the Crusaders was that early loss against the Hurricanes and how it happened so uh, yeah I think I was just happy for the Blues to get that win as well to be fair yeah that and uh, it was sort of cool because um because they had the Crusaders this week remember last week they beat the the Chiefs and, and gave them a donut so that showed they had some <laughs> some some stopping power away the defense and I wanted yeah, to see yeah. that defense ahead with, with with the Crusaders game and um we we got to see that in the second half especially the second half because when I think about the Crusaders they're always a team that has a slow start but they're they're a second half team and they're always that team that always scores before the halftime and then scores straight after the halftime you know to um, get momentum and and eventually win the game in, in the second half and if i look at the stats if i look at the the game the position of the game in the first half you're looking at sort of even position on both teams but in the second half the crusaders had 67 percent wow and, and they outscored they outscored the, the blues in the second half um 16 10 yeah. so you know so the blues stifling defense you know it's mm. it's probably the was the difference maker in, in, in this game yeah, and if you look at the, the Crusaders and how they structure their team, so they had George Bridge, I think, was on the bench. They had another All Black on the bench. Obviously, their two halfbacks, uh, Bryn Hall and, and Mitch Drummond, are both good quality. So you're right, in the second half of the game, if the game's tight, they've got these quality All Black level guys on the bench who can come on and finish the game. And that's what looked like it was happening again with the Crusaders starting to finish strong. So the defense of the Blues, that's been a real turning point and... Like, it doesn't matter what sport you're playing. If you've got the defence, defence wins you titles, you know. The Blues have always had the attack, which wins you lots of fans and lots of uh, highlight reels. But if you're serious about winning titles, it doesn't matter. NRL, rugby, uh, NFL, all those sports, you've got to have the defence to uh, to win it. So that, that's uh, one thing I was really happy about with the Blues. And there was that tackle, Rico Ioannis tackle, which I think could be the next... Now, hopefully we, we played that Carlos Winter one for for 20 years. Hopefully we can <laughs> we don't have to go back to that one. And we've got some more highlights of us down in Christchurch. So that was that tackle, um, that try-saving tackle in the corner there. That was uh, amazing. And, you know, Rico, we know how great his attack is. And we've known that in the All Blacks. But the one criticism of him is how good is his defence. And he's made massive strides forward in that regard. So I think, you know, he could be the he could be the starting All Black centre now. Um now, now he's got his defensive um, reads and tackling better, so just to match his attack. So, yeah, what did you, what did you make of that tackle and all the rest of it? They've got Rico with sixteen tackles in the game, which is kind of huge for for centre for midfield. But um, yeah, man, that was a uh, that try saving tackle was awesome. Man, it just reminded me of 
what was my top try saving tackles I've ever seen and you know the one I put on the chat you know what picked their top three try saving tackles have you have you thought of any well that one stands out to me that Rico you want it because that's I didn't expect him I, I, when I saw was watching that game live I thought that was a try every day of the week and maybe if it was someone like Sevi Reese on the outside he probably would have got this I don't know where Sevi was um, during that movement but um yeah, for him to come across there and make that tackle, I thought that was awesome defence. Um, though I couldn't think of many, but the one that really stands out is obviously the obvious one, which is um, George Gregan. George Gregan on Jeff Wilson, uh, way back in the days, that Players League Cup, I think, 94, where <laughs> that was a try every day of the weekend. You know, Jeff Wilson does his, does his big dive in the corner, and George Gregan just comes along and punches the ball up. And I remember watching that. He was a young guy at that time. I think he was... He's only like five, ten tests into his career at that point, George Gregan. And I remember thinking, you know what, he's got all the skills, but you had the defence on top, and this guy could go on and be one of the greats. And that's what happened. You know, he's uh, one of the best, best halfbacks who's ever lived in. That competitiveness. But to me, that was the obvious one that I could think of that I'd put in that same category. Um, just, you know, match-winning. Those were both match-winning tackles as well, that both teams won those games by less than a try. And that was a crucial crucial saver mate but what, what did you come up with I came up with uh, I remember Manu Tuilangi got chased down by um, Ben Smith when England played all, all, oh, yeah. all Blacks one year and that was uh, and, and that was going to be a, break, a breakaway try and um, Ben Smith just chased him down tackled him and stole the ball yeah uh, he's done that twice he's done that against England as well I remember him doing uh, in an international as well so he's um, we know that about Ben Smith he's always a competitor and he tries his guts out so yeah yeah, he's um he's right up there, and you know with these guys, it's not just the flashy plays. Eh? It's not just about they've always got those attacking abilities. But you know if you can save tries as well as score tries and set up tries, then you're worth your weight in gold. And Ben Smith, mm. uh, he was a gun for that. So yeah, he's got a few as well. So so carry on. What were your other ones? Yeah, I was just gonna say the the George Gregan on um on Jeff Olsen one was the one that that stands out too. Yeah, yeah, the, the, that's the ultimate one I think. Yeah, yeah, but um. Talk about Rico Ioane. He's pretty good at doing those chase down def- defensive tackles because I think he did it to Will Jordan as well in, in, in that game mm, mm. when Will Jordan had a break. So, yeah, f- for a guy that we thought probably is iffy in in, in the midfield because he started on the wing with the All Blacks, you know, he's he's coming together because he did play, I think he did play m- midfield when he was at school. Yeah, yeah, he came through Auckland Grammar. He played primarily in the centres, uh, midfield, year, And, um, you know, when he first got with the Blues, I think they had question marks over his defence and his positioning and all that sort of stuff. So they sat him out on the wing, and he went really good there. But deep down, he's, he's been straight up, he's been quite vocal about it as well, that he always wants to play play centre. And, you know, he's, he's had a few years there with the Blues. He's been one of the best midfielders at Super Rugby level for, you know, a good couple of years now, two, three seasons. So... It's just a matter of if the All Blacks would give him another chance there. And I think they should because you're right, that speed that he showed to make that cover tackle, the chase down the Will Jordan, there's no one else who's got that electric speed. So if you've got a 12 who can find him some space, you know, he could really rip some teams to shreds. So I just like that. That's just that point of difference that he's got at 13 that no one else has got. So, you know, I'm obviously a Blues fan and I'm a bit biased. So, yeah. I hope he gets the jo- I hope he gets the jersey. 
this um, blues resurgent it's sort of like the reverse of what happened in super rugby 97 when when the crusaders won their first title against the auckland blues back then because how auckland blues won, won those two championships to me parallels how the crusaders are right now oh hopefully hopefully you're right you know we've had a few false dawns before where we thought that the blues might have turned the corner and i do think that you're right i think this could be a good mix they've got some young guys uh, you remember when Auckland won the, um, the NPC, I think, 20, was it 2018 or 2019, it might have been. And I, I came on TV, I think it might have, yeah, I can't remember what year it was, it might have been 2019. And they had Hoskins, the Tutu was there, um, both Ioane brothers. They had all these guys, they were only like 20 at that point. And there was this, uh, Caleb Clark was there. It was just a whole host of young guys who had the potential to kick on if the Blues and Auckland would have stick with it and see them through. Now we're starting to see the fruits of it. There's still young guys like Papali'i in there. They're all under 25, so... And now they're the, the leaders of the Blues now, so... You know, they've come through some good systems, and, you know, the, the Blues and Auckland rugby have shown a lot of faith and helped them to develop to the point where, you know, they, they, those are the crop of guys that's going to carry the Blues forward for the next sort of couple of years. And you're right, it is like the Crusaders... Of, of those years where they had a couple of key veterans and they had a whole um, a lot of young guys coming through that helped to carry that team forward and you know they rebuilt that culture and I think that's what Leon McDonald's trying to do now with the Blues build a good culture they've added Luke Romano who you talked about briefly before I'm um, so much <laughs> meant to him for him to win that game against this team that he's put his blood sweat and tears into that Crusaders jersey and he was ecstatic to get that win so you know he, he's 36 and you have from the Crusader side, they've got so many locks, he's sort of on the scrap heap, but he's got way more to offer New Zealand rugby and anyone else who's prepared to give him a chance. I'm glad the Blues took him on board because he's a real leader of men there. So you're right. I hope, I hope you're right, and I think you might be right because I do think we're turning a corner. I think we're getting to that point now where these young guys, we're good, we haven't even seen the best of Popoli'i and Hoskins Tutu and, and Rico Ioane and Caleb Clark and these guys who are going to propel the Blues forward. They're still young. So, which is a scary thought in a way. I want to say there was like hundreds of Cantabrians who hated the fact that Luke Romano put on a blues jersey, you know, playing down there for so long, had been from there. But you're right, man. In terms of his like his playing time in there, it was probably the the best move for him because down there, there heaps of locks there. Eh? Yeah, well, they've got two All Black locks, Scott Barrett and, and um, White Lock there, who will start for them all the time. Um, Quentin Strange, who I think was an All Black. Uh, tourist, I don't know if he got a game. Who's the backup? So you know they're they're quite deep there as well. So yeah, I think for him he still has a lot to offer. He still wants to play at the at this level, and he still knows he's good enough. It's just where the opportunity lies. So I'm glad that you know the Blues gave him a chance, and he's repaid that way way more than he has. I I wasn't sure about him just because you know he's like fourth fifth choice lock at the Crusaders. I mean, what's he going to really bring to us? But he's been awesome, particularly once uh, Patrick Tupolotu's got a sabbatical over in Japan. So, yeah, it's been a real leadership. He's helped to fill that leadership mm. void. So, yeah, he's a good signing. Yeah. You mentioned um, Dalton Papali'i, and he was a beast, man. I think, is that a little bit of a record there? 21 tackles, 100% completion? It'll be up there, eh? Yeah, that'll be way up there. And it's interesting because where he fits into the All Black, because I think... Maybe I'm being biased again, but I think he might be the best seven in, in New Zealand. 
Um, you know, if Sam Kane's the captain, he's probably automatic. Uh, you'd have to say Adi Savia is probably at that automatic level. You know, Popoli'i, as good as he is, he might be uh, just a role player in the All Blacks. Even though, in my eyes, I think he's got to be. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's the best seven in, in New Zealand. So, bit hard on him, eh? But yeah, he's a gun. He's a gun for for the Blues and another young guy. So. Yeah, oh, where, where do you see him? Where do you see him fitting into that All Black mix? Do you think he's uh, he's gonna be a bench guy basically? Uh, he's having a, a stellar season for sure for the Blues, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna have to give um, Dalton uh, this season with the All Blacks to make my mind up if he's a, if he's a starter because I'm still used to him coming off the bench for the All Black and starting for those teams that like Italy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely been a man for the Blues, so he's definitely stepped up from last season it'll be interesting to see how he goes for the All Blacks and, and, and if he does well and if he's consistent starter I don't know yeah I don't know what you, what they're going to do about Sam Kane well you can't drop the All Black captain so that's the thing he's um, once they give him the, the C on his back he's uh, he becomes undroppable so yeah it's just one of those things unless they change the captain which they're not going to do probably this close to the World Cup I wouldn't think but um yeah, it's just one of those things where the, it's probably the loose forwards is probably the most, the toughest position to get in the All Blacks now. So there's so many good guys. We've seen Lachlan Bushier, who was a gun, he's had to leave because there was no opportunities for him. So there's going to be some good players who just aren't going to make the cut. So uh, it's just unfortunate um, in that regard. So yeah, I think Dalton, as good as he is, he's going to have to wait his time. I think the next World Cup cycle. Well, depending on what Sam Kane does, might be might be his uh, his way forward. So yeah, he, he's he's done enough to definitely be in the in the squad. And in my eyes, he's the you know one of the top five or ten players in the country. So you know it's unfortunate he just won't get a start. <laughs> There's another guy who was touted to make the All Blacks this season, Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Ever since word started that he was going to leave the Warriors and come to to the Blues. You played for the Blues, I think two games, and then got injured. Mm. Yeah, something like that. And and now he's he was back on the on the bench in the Crusaders game. Now they they brought him on with 15 minutes to go. So I thought that you know okay it was it was a high stake game. Maybe you don't want to put him too early and put him for for defense because they really need the defense at the end. And and if and I, and I noticed that with Bowden Barrett on his outside, Bowden Barrett never passed it again to the. To the backs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it was a hard game for him, I think, to get into. Eh? So it would have been good for him, you know, just to play in a high-pressure game like that, and particularly with the game on the line with for Leon McDonald to show a bit of faith in him and say, Court, you're on. Um, we've seen guys who sort of get left off for the full 80, but, yeah, it was just... It was difficult because you're right. Bodie wasn't passing it towards the end there. He was playing the field position game, and it was sort of hard for him to get into. But I think... You know, it's still early days. It's hard to judge, but I, I was really intrigued with the mate. I heard on the radio that, you know, the um, the viewership on Super Rugby has been dwindling um, a lot this year compared to previous years. But the the most uh, watched game so far was Roger Tui uh debut game, where they just there was a whole lot of curiosity about how he's going to go. And I know, like in New Zealand circles and fans and people like us who do podcasts. There's real intrigue because we've seen how good he's in league. We know he's got the work ethic and we know he'll try his best 
It's just how quickly he can get up to speed. So that injury was a bit of a, a blow for him. He came back last year trying to get some NPC, and then COVID sort of put, you know, put paid to that quite quickly. So he's really, he's done a lot of training, and he hasn't had a lot of game time, and that's what he needs to take that next step forward. But I'm really intrigued because I don't think the 12 jersey is sorted. You know, they've had David Harvili there, who was, um, he started off really good, then he sort of faded towards the end there. Um, Quintu Pai is still. He last year was his first year with the All Blacks. He's only had a handful of games. I'm not sure with Anton Leonard Brown, he might be a better 13 than a 12. So, you know, Jack Goodhue's been injured for 12 months now. The 12 jersey is up in the air. So if Roger can have a good sort of next, I think I don't know how many rounds are left. If he can really hammer it home, he could he could be in line for a call up, eh? And also, it's interesting to see what they're doing with uh, Geordie Barrett. I know in our chat, we've had a lot of uh, in- intrigue in towards that. I know uh, one of the brothers there, Dan, he's a big fan of Barrett for the 12 jersey. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well, because that could be a spanner in the weeks for, for Roger. But he's got, similar to what um, Rico Ioane's got at 13, where he's got speed that no one else has got, and that point of difference might get it over the line. You know, Roger, with his footwork and his ability to... You know, step people in close because that 12 channel, by the time you get the ball, the defensive lines are so quick, they're right up on you. His ability to just sort of step out and step one guy and sort of buy an extra four or five seconds, <clears throat> now, that could be invaluable. So I hope he gets a real good cracker today. That's all I'd say. How have you seen Rogers' uh, transition? You know what? Like, I think that his injury, the short injury that he had, really put a setback. You know, now you can't really tell whether he's all blacks. All Blacks material or not, there's, he has not enough games, and it's even worse because they're now they're playing Australian teams. Like he'll be playing, but against Australian teams, you can't test with the with the New Zealand teams anymore because we're going to play Australian teams. But um, yeah, I th- think that injury was a huge setback for him. I'm still positive. I think he just needs a few more games, you know, under, under his belt, and maybe this year should be his experience year, and then next year he'll come out strongly. Um, you know, sometimes they. I don't know, they take these development guys, I don't know if Roger will fall into that category, but he's got some skills that no one else can do at 12, that, um, you know, and that's exciting, that's exciting for the All Blacks, you know, they need, they need someone who can get past the first guy, and get them over the advantage line, and Roger's not the guy, like traditionally we've had guys like Manonu and Sonny Bill Williams who've been able to use their brute force and strength to push their way through, but Roger can get through with footwork, so... Yeah, I think it's um, it'll be a different tack, but it would still be effective because it'll still work. That's what they want. They want to try and get them over the advantage line, and that's the one criticism of David Harvey, who's got all the skills in the world. If he was say five centimeters taller and five kgs heavier, man, he'd be the best twelve out. But um, yeah, he just can't punch through the line the way that we like uh, the All Black Twelves to do. So you're you're right yeah. about um, Jordy Barrett because the Hurricanes moving them to twelve. It's sort of like an indication that the All Blacks coaching staff has told Hurricanes to play him at 12. Because you're right, the All Blacks are pretty thin there at, that, at, that, at that second five position. And if you think about Jordy Barrett playing fullback, well, who Jordan's out there. He's got that locked up. So they, they probably need some options, some more options for Jordy Barrett. Because I think you really need Jordy Barrett in the team because he can kick as well. Yeah, I quite, I quite like that idea as well because you're right, Will Jordan... He has to be in that team somewhere. Jordy Barrett's another guy who you'd say he's one of the best backs, better backs in the country. So 
maybe it's just for just try and find jerseys for everyone and, and fit our best guys in. Because I think Will Jordan has to start somewhere. And I do think Jordy Barrett's probably got to be in the starting lineup somewhere. So that could be the best option. Maybe Jordy at 12 and Will Jordan at 15. You know, coming back to the Blues Crusaders game, what was what are your thoughts on, on, on those yellow cards? The yellow cards to David Havili and um, the red card to, to Scott Barrett. How it affected the game? If it was sort of like, uh, okay, the Blues won because of those cards. I wouldn't say they won because of the cards. I'd, I'd say, oh, so I've got to help you know, that's a, a yellow and a red. That's 30 minutes, 14 guys. So um, this definitely helps. I, I thought that, I thought they were fair cards. Like uh, you couldn't, I wouldn't disagree with any of them. You know, Scott Barrett there, he basically knocked out um, Hodgman. Got, he was KO'd. He had to get taken off uh, for c- concussion testing. So we know now any contact with the head is automatic red. So you can't have much disagreement with that. But I thought, yeah, which I mentioned earlier, once they got that red, the Blues changed their game plan to we're going to try and kick, kick and play the territorial game. And that, yeah, that, I, don't, I don't know if that was the right move because they were playing, they were outplaying the Crusaders up to that point by playing playing rugby and going for it. That, that sort of tactic was sort of like, well, we're going to try to defend our lead and not, not lose it from here as opposed to early on in the game where they were going for it and trying to win it. So, you know, I suppose that that affected the game and it affected the Blues mentality, which I didn't like because that allowed the, the Crusaders, in my opinion, to get back in the game. So, um... But on the cards themselves, uh, I don't have any complaints. Say, eh? I thought it was fair. I know that there's a lot of anti-blues people out there <laughs> who um, suddenly come on our podcast who will say, you know, the Crusaders if they had 15 on 15, uh, that, that would have been a different story and all the rest of it. They're the same people who will say, oh, you you won Trans Tasman, but it doesn't count. Say, so. um, yeah, I was I was happy with the cards. I thought that the yeah it showed a lot about the Blues' mentality and their resilience as well because they would have lost that game previously. And then you had, it's a completely different story. Crusaders win with fourteen guys and oh, the, the juggernaut rolls on and all the rest of it. So it's just good for that. What what did you make of those cards? Yeah, I think having the rule that you got it's an automatic red card if you, if there's a hit to the head, right? Hit to the head. Any any situation, hit to the head is a red, is a red card. And they've been pretty consistent throughout the Super Rugby on that. So now it's because they're consistent and because the the refs are, are, are calling it, it's part of the game now. So if you have rules to any game, this is this is just one of the rules. If if you get a hit to the head, it's a red card. You're off. You're you're off. But you can get a replacement back in after after twenty minutes. You know, which, which I think is is good, but. I think just the fact that it's consistent means that you don't really want you, you don't really have that excuse to complain about oh you only guys won because of that red card, but hey if anyone gets a head knock it's automatic red card, so yeah so I think that that that, that one is an interesting one. I'm not saying yeah, that because uh, I'm a Blues fan. I'm just saying because that's the rule. Yeah, and you're right because you know I remember when they first started bringing out these rules, I'd say things like. Oh, it was the accident, or there's all these other things, and people will be in an uproar saying, "Hey, look, that's not how rugby's played," and all the rest of it. But we've got to a point now where people just accept it. We've been ruling it that way for a while now. You hit him in the head, you got red carded. No excuses. You, everyone knows. So, yeah, it's just part of part of um, the culture of rugby now. So, and Scott Barraday, he's got a bit of form. He's had a few red cards now. He's had a few 
issues with his tackling technique. So I, w- I wouldn't say he's a dirty player, but I would say he's got a few technical issues he might need to sort out. Because eh? yeah, he's had a couple couple of big red cards yeah. now. And it's good he's got those red cards against the Blues because or against any other team in in Super Rugby because you know if, if he's, when he's playing for the All Blacks, he'll get his act together by the time the World Cup rolls around. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's so four right. weeks he's that's got. Right. He's got four weeks, which is pretty consistent. Because how much did um how many weeks did um the Caleb Clark get? Did he got four as well. Caleb Clark three? got three. Oh, okay. He got yeah. three, I think. Yeah, and um I think someone else got four. And uh, Nagusa, Namani Nagusa, who's the number eight for Fijian Rua. I've got him in my bloody fantasy team. He's he's uh he got four weeks as well for similar shots. So that that was right. That was really bad. That one that Scott Barrett won because he was out cold. So. Um, yeah, I wasn't surprised he got a, an extra week on top. So everyone else has really gotten that three weeks, and then I think only him and someone else has got four weeks. So it's really bad. So yeah, how cold are they doing on LeBron James? It's still red card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, that was. Um, I think I heard on the radio they talked about it because he's got prior, which we talked about now. He's got a few prior offences, so it's sort of like you're not learning, so we're gonna have to add an extra week on so you start getting it. So yeah, as opposed to uh, some of the other, there was a, uh, I think on War got three weeks for a, year, a red, and Josh Dixon as well. He got three weeks. So because Barrett's got those priors, he they ended up giving him an extra week as well. So mm, it is a, that's also getting quite consistent as well. Okay, um, another one of these stories I had in the beginning of the podcast was the New Zealand Herald liking Stephen Perfetta to replace Damien McKenzie. Now. If I look at Stephen Perfetz and what he did in the game against the Crusaders, and I remember your your text on our chat, he was a bit of a, a rocks and diamonds guy. He was, he was, because in the beginning he was a bit off, eh? But then he did some good things and then some some bad things. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I I can't. I don't remember David McKenzie make too much mistakes, you know, in one game. In no. one game. Yeah, he's sort of like uh, at least a version of. Damien McKenzie, but Damien McKenzie's gone to, he's taken a sabbatical in Japan, and that's opened up a door for someone else to potentially get a jersey, and if they're looking for sort of like a 10-15 hybrid, which is what McKenzie was, I'm not sure if I can think of someone else who could do that job better, you know, maybe um, Josh Shiwane, who's hardly played, it might be another name you might throw on there, but as it stands now, Peter Fetta, he... He had a couple of rough moments in there. I think he had a little... There was one where, just on his try line, where he tried to pick it up and he fumbled it and he ended up you know, putting it dead to it to get a drop out. He slipped over where he was trying to field a kick which went over the sideline. So, yeah, he had, a, he had a few rough moments in there. But he's also... I think he's got a couple of Man of the Match awards, or at least one Man of the Match awards for the Blues, where he was the the best player in the, on the ground. So, you know, like a lot of young players, they've got a few... Uh, faults in their game which they need to iron out and it's just a matter of how patient the All Blacks are going to be and if they're going to give them a chance so I do think I do think they might need a third 10 or someone who can play a little bit there uh, particularly if they're going to consider maybe Bodie as a, as a potential 15 as well they might need another guy who can cover 10 a little bit as well and, and as it stands now I think Peter Fitz is probably the next the third 10 in New Zealand at the moment considering Mitch Hunt's been poor and Joshua has been injured I'd probably say he's the next in line so yeah it's an interesting shout 
what if what have you made of him? Do, would you be picking him if you're an All Black selector? Uh, he'll be my like my Stephen <laughs> yeah. Donald of the All Blacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like fourth down the list. <laughs> like yeah. give him a call when he's having a holiday. If, if something know, goes really wrong, you know, <laughs> get back your boots type <laughs> scenario. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I really yeah, like him. Me, I like him as a fullback. Good. He's he's a good runner. Mm. He's good. He's good in broken play. He can get through those defenses. But it was funny because he came off on the on the 60th minute. Zan Sullivan he came on, and you know, in contrast to those two fullbacks, a big difference there. To me, Zan Sullivan's more safe, and he's got a good kicking game. But he's not a good runner as Perifetz is. Like you almost want a fullback that has both their skills there in one. Like uh, like a guy that I can think of in the past is um. Oh yes. Is Nick Evans? Yeah, it would be great to have someone like Nick Evans. He's a quality player. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting because in that we talked about this a bit earlier. In the last twenty, other they were just kicking the ball away more. So I think with Zan coming on, he always got that left foot kicking game. I think that just sort of fit into the tactics of the Blues, where they're saying, "Hey, look, we want to play this territorial game. You jump on, you and Bodie just kick us out of trouble and play down the end." So yeah, but I, I agree with you. Um, the contrasting styles. So. Yeah, and don't forget, um, Peter Fitter, he's the current ITM Cup Player of the Year, so he's, you know, it's not that just like they're picking him on the strength of a handful of games, uh, he had a good year last year, and he's he's been good, albeit patchy, this year as well, so, you know, I'll, I'll, if he gets a call-up, I wouldn't be overly shocked, I, I would hope that they would ease him in a bit and, you know, just give him 20 minutes off the bench here and there, as opposed to chuck him on the deep end a little bit, but yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he got in. Just because I can't think of even anyone else. There's probably some listeners who are listening to this screaming someone else's name thinking, how could you forget about so-and-so? But yeah, just off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone else who would be, who I'd pick. With the Blues, like Harry Plummer's out for the season, so it's a good chance for opportunity for, for Zan Sullivan and, and Perfez to take advantage of those, of, of game time. Yeah, yeah. And he was looking good too, Plummer, before he got injured. You know, he's, um, people in our group chat will know that he hasn't, he hasn't often spoken of in, in the glowing lights all the time. Pirafito in our group chat. Uh, sorry, Plummer in our group chat. But to his credit, he's matured a lot. I thought that Trans-Tasman final last year, I went to that game when the Blues finally won, won something. And he was awesome in that game. And he sort of kicked on a little bit from there. I thought to start the season he was good. Um, and he, he's a guy as well who can play sort of 10, 12, 15 as well, similar to Pirafito. So... Yeah, it's a big loss for the Blues, so it's something I never thought I'd say about Plummer, but um, yeah, you're right, he goes, and then that gives all these other guys uh, a bit more opportunity, so it's up to them to sort of grab it now. Nice, nice. Hey man, the, that's all i got for the Blues Crusaders game, but um, this weekend, the Blues have got uh, Fiji, Fiji draw, any any predictions there for starting lineups or who's going to win? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think. Um, I wonder how Leon McDonald sees it. If it's a good opportunity to give some of the other guys a, a game, because he's, he's stuck mostly solid with his um, with the guys that he's, he likes. So maybe someone like Sam Derry or some of these other guys who haven't had a lot of game time, Choate or someone that like that might be up for some for some uh, decent game time in this this opportunity. But I think you know the Blues have a strong Polynesian. Um, contingent in their own team so I just hope they don't get swept up in the whole emotion of it playing against the Fijian draw for the first time and get sucked into playing you know the Fijian style of helter-skelter attack from anywhere because I know the Blues can 
sometimes get into that habit of playing that sort of style. But if they stick to their structures and play their game plan, then I think the Blues should win comfortably. That's the question, is if, if they can stick to it. So uh, my prediction, you know, I think I think if you can come out top against the New Zealand teams, then no disrespect to the Australian teams, but I think that we should be able to beat them. So I'll, I'll go the Blues 13+. Plus. And look out for some of the, the lesser-known guys who haven't had a lot of game time. Someone out there is going to get some decent game time, and someone will play good and put their hand up. So I'm not sure who it's going to be, but I quite like that Sam Darry. Hopefully he gets a bit of a game, uh, the young lock there. Mm. Yeah, I'm saying with you, man. I think my prediction for Blue Star and Islanders is that they're going to play a lot of bench players. I know RTS will get a full game just to get them back in there. And, you know, playing um, feature drawers is going to be a good warm-up to... <laughs> For, to, for the Blues to, to play the, the rest of the Australian teams after that so I think they're going to be playing in the um, in that one the, all the teams are going to be playing in Melbourne right so they call it the yeah is it the Magic Round is that what Super Rugby is calling it or is that Magic Round in um, NRL the NRL one's called the Magic Round yeah I'm not sure what the Super Rugby one's called but it, you mentioned the RTS because I think uh, they've the, the the midfield for the draw they've got that guy Volta who's a bit of a gun, man, he's a gun, and they've got, I can't remember who that 12 is, but he's also really good, so he might have his hands full there, um, those Fijian draw midfield guys are really good, um, just basing that on the Soliola Cup, uh, fantasy scores a lot of that, but um, yeah, they've been tearing it down though, the, the midfield See there for the, for the draw, us, man. no worries man, good, good to catch up, thanks for coming on man, nah nah, always, always, Good to come on. Love the empty out the clip, but it's uh, one of my better podcasts that I like listening to on our, on our network for sure. So always glad to be a guest. I shouldn't say that because all of our podcasts are good. I'll say that. But yeah, empty out the clips um, is one of my personal favorites. So yeah, cheers, mate.